0: following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3215 or email radio at bnnmedia.org.
1: Welcome to Life Matters. I'm your host, Brendan O'Connell. Well, we have a very special guest whom I saw last Thursday in Washington, D.C., at the Law of Life Summit, which uh, a lot of people presented. And uh, one in particular, Dina Espencheid, uh gave some very insightful uh, remarks regarding what does it really take to convince women to vote pro-life uh, in the aftermath of uh, us losing Seven referendums or referenda since uh, Nellie Graves' birthday on, I believe it was June 24, 2022, and and uh, Dana Espinjad is the senior director of coalitions and the director of pro-life programs. She has over 20 years of professional political and policy experience. She started as a glorified assistant of the public policy division of a pregnancy care center and abstinence until marriage ministry in South Dakota. And uh, she's been a state lobbyist and has many other uh, political uh, things that she's done over the years. And we wanted to talk to her about uh, several things. First of all, uh, the other side always, the the pro-abortion side always wants to bring up um, uh, hard cases, they call them, and um, and the election season and they of course on television they they cut and snip it and uh, make it look terrible <laughs> but um, anyways are uh, how do you answer are you an extreme pro-lifer and avoiding and also how to avoid the gutcha questions well welcome dina to the, today's show thank you Dino, how do you answer, what about rape and incest? How how does one, here's a politician out in front of the cameras and he either melts or he answers this correctly or the best way to answer it. How how would you recommend that uh, politicians answer this question?
2: Absolutely. Um, When I do trainings at the Leadership Institute where I work, I always teach politicians and also activists, people running for office and activists that are helping them, To do a five-step plan for answering the question. First, I say, give your position that's your has the most consensus, then tell what your opposition wants. If then give some policy statements of what we really want to do, what we want to accomplish. If there's time, tell a story, and then restate the consensus position and ask if we could have consensus on that. So you know what about those those hard cases of rape and incest? The fact is, I think that rape and incest is a horrible crime. And the men who, who are perpetuating that crime need to go to jail, and the women who are survivors of that crime need to get proper mental health care. The other side, my opponent says that the only solution for her is abortion. What I want to see is that these women get immediately into, they are empowered to seek out the police, to go to the hospital, to get the care that they need so that they never become pregnant, and then to get the mental health counseling that they need. And the fact is that right now, I was actually, when I lived up in South Dakota, we had a heartbreaking case of a girl who had claimed falsely, but made the claim to her dad that she had been raped at a party, that she drunk something, she fell asleep, and when she woke up, things that happened to her, and now she was pregnant. Well, when they went to Planned Parenthood, against her will, because it was actually a consensual sex with her fiancé, they wanted the baby, but the dad was never having an abor- a baby that was conceived through abortion in his life, and so she went in thinking she was going to get an OBGYN appointment, Instead, Planned Parenthood said, well, your father signed the consent form, so this is what we're going to do. They gave her something to drink to calm her down because she was starting to yell, I want my baby. Then they tied her down and took her baby from her. I think that's abhorrent. But even worse, even though Planned Parenthood was under the impression that she had drunk something at a party and woke up having been raped, they got rid of that, that baby and they flushed it down the drain with all the other babies they had aborted that day. They never turned that baby over to the police for genetic testing to find the rapist. I think rapists need to be put in jail and I think women need to be given the mental health services and the medical care that they need to recover from their rapes. Can we all agree on that? Uh And that right there is how you answer the question.
1: Uh huh. Very interesting. And then um, how about uh, do you want to outlaw all abortion?
2: You know what? In my state, I want to see a place where no woman feels the need for an abortion. My opponents just want abortion through all nine months of pregnancy. We know because one of them in Virginia testified about post-birth abortions. What I want to see is that women who want to have their babies, and that's over 90% of women say they want to have their babies, but they feel they need to have an abortion because of finances or because they're being pressured into abortion. I want to see that women who, who want to have their babies are given the support that they need. So that means child support starts before birth because that mother has got expenses before birth. That means that if she's a student, maybe we give her free tuition or tuition assistance. If, she's got, if she can't afford the, the birth expense, we've already got Medicaid expansion here in my state. Why can't Medicaid be used to pay for those births? I want to see that, that women get the help with child care that they need so that they can start their families off right. And I want to see that they get the relationship education, the financial aid education, the parenting education that they need. And that's provided by our pregnancy care centers, which should be supported by tax credits. In, in our state, we need to do more to help women have babies and start healthy families. My opponent only wants to have abortion.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you, uh, interject here, Alan Parker Jr. Mm-hmm. has something called the Justice Foundation. Yes. And he's had baby safe havens, and now they're mm-hmm. in all 50 states, baby safe havens, where you can drop off a newborn at a fire station or wherever, a police station. Mm-hmm. Uh, would that, could that be worked into the, your argument on, the, um, on this last question?
2: It possibly can. Um, Here's the situation. If you look into the Vitae Foundation's research on the Right Brain Research, when they go to women who have had abortions and they ask, why did you do this? And the Right Brain Research is not a customer service survey. It's not. They go deeper with long form, long interviews that last an hour or more. Mm -hmm. And what they found is that the women who are seeking abortions, whether they had the baby or they thought they were going to abort or they did abort, they weren't thinking about, in that moment when they were making decisions, their decision was give birth and parent or have an abortion. And it was either, their life was going to change one way or the other. Either they were going to save their life as it currently is, the party girl lifestyle or whatever, the student, by having an abortion, I could keep going with the life as it is, or my life is going to completely change they weren't thinking of and they weren't looking at adoption or safe haven options as a healthy option. I love Alan Parker. I love the safe haven laws. The safe haven, the baby boxes are saving babies, but it is not, according to the Vitae Foundation's research on the right brain research, and what actually to say to a woman as she's thinking about abortion, um, the saying that there's a safe haven option or that you can give up your baby, that's not an actual persuasive argument because they are in this zone where they're thinking, do I stay a student or do I become a mom? And what our goal is to say, you can do both because you're strong enough, you're smart enough, you've got this and we are here to help you, guide you through it. And then if later they say, well, I don't wanna be a mom, then we can say, okay, there's adoption options. We can have an open adoption or close adoption, and later on, if you decide it's too much for you, there's the safe haven option, where you can just drop off the baby. You don't have to do anything harmful to it.
1: I see. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, it does. Okay. What about the uh, abortions to save the health or life of the mother? That's the other big uh, objection you know, that they use.
2: This one. This one is so heart wrenching because so many women out there were told by their doctors, "You have to have this abortion." In order, to, um, in order to save your fertility, or you have to have this abortion in order to save your life. At the March for Life, there was actually a woman walking through the crowd, um, holding a sign saying, abortion is health care. I only have three children because of my, my abortion. And people were like yelling at her and saying things to her. And as she passed me by, I said, ma'am, can I just ask you a question? And she said, sure, whatever. Um, and I said, did you realize that, you know, that in the last five to 10 years, because of medical advancements, a good doctor can treat any medical condition. And if the baby dies, that's a tragedy. That's not an abortion, but they don't actually have to abort before they begin treatment. And she told me she had a PhD in biology and told me to go do something anatomically not possible. (laughs) I won't repeat it for your group. Um, But but the point is, this is a conversation piece that you can say, and you say it just like that. Um, mm. What we say, what I say to people is, oh, my gosh. Of course, women who have had a miscarriage need to have medical help. And, of course, women with ectopic pregnancy need to have medical intervention. Those are cases where we're saving life and saving fertility. But for things like cancer or diabetes or any medical condition, because of medical advancements in the last five to 10 years, a good doctor can treat both the woman and the baby. And if the baby dies from that treatment, that's a tragedy. That's not an abortion. And what you're doing with that is you're putting the idea in their head that good doctors can now treat any medical condition. And you're also forgiving a woman who made a different decision 10, 15, 20 years ago, because things were different 20, 25 years ago. Think of the movie Steel Magnolias. And Steel Magnolias, um, um, Shelby, the girl in the movie, is gets pregnant. Her mom freaks out because she's like, you're going to die because Shelby had diabetes. And the baby destroyed the kidneys. The pregnancy destroyed the kidneys. And she did die after birth, uh, a while after birth. But still, you know, the, 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 you walk away from that going, oh, my gosh, it's a tragedy. Women with diabetes shouldn't be giving birth. I know plenty of women with diabetes who have given birth successfully. Because of medical advancements that we've had, and isn't that a miracle? That's something we should be celebrating. We should be mourning the fact that you were in a different position twenty years ago, fifteen years ago. But the good news is your daughters aren't in the same position anymore.
1: Well, what are the strongest messages to move voters towards a pro-life position?
2: You know what? When they've done research and um, uh, with with moderate voters and with light leftist voters and with leftist voters. And they and also conservative voters, and they said, you know, would this make you more likely or less likely to vote for one of these abortion ban, not abortion bans? We like I like abortion bans. One of these radical abortion measures. Um, the things that moved the most number of people towards the pro life position were things like protecting parental rights. Nobody wants to see parents lose their rights over their teenagers. Um, the other one that was a big one was. Um, um, men coercing women, men use abortion to coerce women into what they want. And we've got to stop that. So if you tell the story of sex traffickers and the, se- the victims that are stuck in sex trafficking right now, there was a study done, and I would have to look up the group, but um, it's tickling in the back of my head. It was either Life 107 or there's another group that I had to speak on one of my webinars.
1: How about the Elliott Institute?
2: Yeah, it might've been the Elliott Institute, but they did a study of sex traffic survivors. Mm-hmm. And they had had on average, every single one of them had at least one abortion. The most was 17 abortions and the average was 12 abortions. Wow. And zero, zero of the, the workers in the abortion facilities, notice I said facilities, not clinics, of the abortion facilities, asked the women if they were being trafficked, even though they kept coming back. And they never asked the women if anybody was forcing or coercing them into this. When the traffickers accidentally took women into pro-life pregnancy centers, the women in the pro-life pregnancy centers, the counselors, are trained to identify sex trafficking and empower the women to make a different choice, to break away, to escape. Even if they don't escape right then, to make a choice later. Because the sex traffic victims don't want abortion. They see that baby as their way out. If I'm pregnant, then nobody's gonna wanna have sex with me. Unfortunately, it's not exactly true. But the idea is if I'm pregnant, nobody's gonna wanna have sex with me, this is my way out. So what do the sex traffickers do? After they use her in her pregnancy to get as much money out of her as possible, they take her down, they get an abortion, then she's back making money for them a few days later. And plant, they, the abortionists allow this to happen and actually help it happen because it's their bread and butter.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, what about uh, the, when the pro-aborts say abortion hurts women? Well, no,
2: pro-lifers say abortion hurts women. Why? Because abortion does hurt women. It causes infertility. It causes infections. It causes suicide and depression. There is a case that I know of. Um, I'm going to have to hide some of the facts because I'm not allowed to share it quite yet. But basically, it was a girl whose parents were well-known in a small town, and the boy's parents were well-known in a small town, and the girl didn't want to embarrass her family, and she thought that the boy was going to marry her, and the dad called her over for a family meeting with his family and they took her down to the clinic and they, the facility, not clinic, the facility, and they forced her to get an abortion because you don't want to embarrass your parents and you don't want to embarrass us and this would be an embarrassment. Well, mom and dad only found out about the abortion when they found the daughter hanging. And the note said that now I can finally go to be with my daughter, my baby. Wow. Abortion causes suicide ideation. It causes depression. It causes uh, um, dependence on alcohol and other drugs. We've got to stop allowing them to say that they are caring for women and that they are protecting their health because there is nothing healthy about abortion. And that doesn't even go into the cancer links that they only find out about 10, 15, 20 years later when they suddenly develop breast cancer. And so if we talk about how abortion hurts women, you get those leftists and those moderates to move towards a pro-life position on the ballot. The fact is, when we go into these elections, it's not about making somebody pro-life. It's about just getting their vote. And I see you're pulling out my slides. It's because we're going to talk about intuition, aren't we?
1: Yes, I'd like to yes. talk about that. What, uh, when I was down there, you were talking about reasoning versus intuition. Can you explain that, please?
2: Absolutely. So if I said to everybody right now, I was in a big city, and I was in a hit-and-run accident with a yellow car. Brendan, what city do you think I might have been in?
1: New York City.
2: (laughs) Why? Now I'm going to ask you why.
1: The cabs. And why else? The yellow cabs. I don't know.
2: I don't know. He can't even come up with a second answer, even though I said big city and yellow car, right? And so he automatically jumped to New York City. That conclusion you jumped to, that was your gut reaction. That's your intuition. And intuition is Faster than your reasoning. When I asked you why, you said, "Well, the yellow cabs." And I said, "Well, why else?" And you didn't even have another answer. You were, mm-hmm. your brain started looking through all of your your file folders in your head that hold memories, trying to come up with any other memory that would say cabs get into hit and run accidents in New York City. By the way, that's a fake story. I just use it for for showing the difference between intuition. And reasoning, we make about thirty-four thousand decisions each day, and vast majority of them, we never reason through why we made the decision. We go with our gut reaction, our intuition, and our intuition is shaped by our education and our experience. Unfortunately, when most people go to vote, they don't think through the issues like you and I do. They don't think through the issues of how is this going to impact. My children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. Um, for for purposes of abortion reasoning, right? They're going with their intuition. They're saying, "How is this going to impact my? If my daughter gets cancer, if if I don't pass this, will she be able to get an abortion? If my wife gets raped, will she be able to get an abortion? And their gut reaction is, "I don't want a rapist child in my family, or I don't want my daughter to die." because she couldn't get an abortion. So they're not thinking through, reasoning through like we do. They go with their gut reaction because unfortunately for the last 50 years, we've been told we have to have legal abortion for health reasons. We have to have legal abortions for rape and incest reasons. We have to have re- legal abortions because what if she has to drop out of high, uh, college? These are all terrible reasons for abortion as we've already discussed. There are also anti-feminist and misogynist reasons for abortion, but that's beyond the point. The point is that our education, our experience of most voters is that we need abortion for all these reasons. So their gut is already going there. If we don't communicate with the voters in a way to get their gut leaning in our direction, then we're never going to be able to convince them or persuade them because they don't want to put the effort into reasoning with us. Mm -hmm. Are you following me so far? I am Okay, good. Just wanted to make sure everybody's with me. So there's a book called The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt. Uh, this is a social psychologist. who studies how people think and choose. He came up with this reasoning and intuition. He said, if an elephant and a rider is like your brain, your brain is like an elephant and a rider. The elephant is intuition. The rider is like reasoning. The elephant is thirsty. There's water over there. Where's the elephant going to go? To the water. It takes the rider an effort to say to the elephant, no, we're not getting wet right now. No, we're not going to the water right now. No, we've got to go work right now. That is willpower. That's, and most people don't want to willpower through decisions when they go to vote. So we have to give them reasons that already agree with their gut reactions. They want to agree with us and they don't, they don't, the reasoning will come along in our direction. So for example, height says, uh, that the six ways you persuade intuitively are through caring and harm. We don't want to see people. We don't want to be people who cause harm. We want to be people who care. Planned Parenthood's slogan is care no matter what. And they say that pro that pro-lifers are causing harm to women. We need to undo that by showing that we care. Your daughter wants to have a baby and go to school. We'll help her find tuition assistance. Your baby, your daughter, your your niece has to move out of the house because your your sister-in-law is kicking her out because she's pregnant. We'll help her find rent assistance. There's a group called Let Them Live that will fundraise and pay her rent for three years or two years. We are the ones who care. So care hard. The next one is fairness. It is not fair. We want to be everybody to have an equal opportunity, equal playing field. So we need to show that having a baby is fair. It is not fair that the guy gets off scot-free and doesn't have to pay child support, and the woman even has to pay for the abortion. What would be fair is that dad has to start paying child support before the baby's born. Right? That's the fairness argument. Um, And then there's the liberty argument. Liberty is another one. So care, fairness, liberty, the idea of rights, of freedom conservatives love responding to the liberty argument. We've always used it very effectively, and now they're using it against us because they're saying, oh, it's just reproductive health care. It's the freedom to get reproductive health care. You don't want to take women's freedom to get health care away from them. Oh, this one's so painful to me because it's like they're using our best argument against us. and Instead, we need to come up with with the ability to say, women don't want to have abortions but they're being pressured into it. They're being forced into it, and that's not right. They're having their motherhood taken away from them by force. They're being coerced into abortion. That woman that I mentioned in South Dakota, she was screaming, I want my baby, while they drugged her up and sedated her and took her baby from her. They took away her right to mother, to parenthood. Um, The other three persuasive targets are sanctity versus defilement, Loyalty versus betrayal and authority versus anti-authority. Those are less effective for persuading moderates and liberals because they don't respond to those messages. They respond to caring messages. They respond to fairness messages. They respond to liberty messages. They don't respond to sanctity messages. They don't respond to um, loyalty messages and they don't respond to authority messages. So out, standing outside of a clinic and yelling, God loves you and God loves your baby, doesn't work with them because they're not a liberal or a moderate, isn't in that God zone. It's not persuasive message. And it's, um, they're thinking about themselves. It's a very selfish choice or they're thinking, I am being forced to do this. They're not thinking, I've got to do the moral thing. Instead, they're thinking, I have no other choice. I just hope God will forgive me in the end. Um, There's a whole nother, that's a whole nother segment and everything else. But the voters also don't respond to those God messages. So, um, you know, God loves babies. Their sanctity of human life is not a sales pitch that's going to move a voter towards the pro-life message. Neither is um, the loyalty message or the um, authority message. So we need to to focus on rights, we need to focus on caring, and we need to focus on liberty. Uh, I'm sorry, liberty would be rights, fairness, and we need to tell stories about how the other side violates those, how our side is protecting those, and how we don't need these radical abortion amendments because women have already got all the rights that they need. They, there's, nobody's taking away their rights. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow. That's something. Well, uh, we've only got a minute left or so. Is there anything else Anything else that you'd like to uh, remark on? Um?
2: Well, just even though I'm not here speaking on behalf of Leadership Institute, Leadership Institute will go to your community and train your people, your activists, your donors, your supporters, your door knockers, how to talk like this and how to do this. It is literally my full-time job. We've got a whole group of us and you can find us at leadershipinstitute.org slash pro And just remember, talk about caring, talk about fairness, talk about rights, and focus on those when you tell stories about why we wanna be, um, why we wanna support women, because the voter cares about their wife, their daughter, their best friend, their best friend's daughter, their niece. They don't care about the little baby. I'm sorry. I love the little baby, but they care about the person they can touch. Mm -hmm. They're not thinking about the impact of of the little bean. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense?
1: It, uh, oh, if Dana, you are
2: going to oh, last thing. If you are going to talk about the baby, talk about the big babies, painful late-term abortions that rip them from a pe- apart piece by piece.
1: Uh huh. Well, well, mm-hmm. Dana, thank you so much for coming on the show today, and enjoyed uh, learning about this uh, intuition versus reasoning, and some of the uh, answers that make a lot of sense and are persuasive uh, when dealing with uh, an opponent or an, an opposite politician on the life issue. We really appreciate it. And, folks, we hope you found today's show to be unique, informative, content-rich, truthful, and thought-provoking. Thanks for watching. I'm Brendan O'Connell, your friend for life.
0: The preceding commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3215 or email radio at bnnmedia.org.